0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for a special Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe O'Rico. You can find me over on Twitter at Joe JoeOrico99, and you can check out all of our fantasy baseball content at Ethos Fantasy BB. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. You get all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes. Every bit of baseball content does get shared out over there. So make sure you guys are checking it out. If you're not on social media, SportsEthos.com is the place to be. Now, we're going to be doing another team preview today. We're talking Boston Red Sox, and we've got an old friend of the show joining us here, Eric Cross. You can hear him on the Tool Shed podcast. You can find his work at FTN Fantasy and also at Roto Baller. He's doing a ton of stuff for the prospect community. But just like his co-host, Chris Clegg, going to be picking his brain about a specific team today and not about prod, uh, po, prospects in general. Um, we did the Atlanta Braves with Chris Clegg, and now we are doing the Boston Red Sox with Eric. I uh, really appreciate you coming on today. How are you doing, man?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excited to uh, talk some Red Sox because it's a very, uh, very interesting team right now, to say the least.
0: Yeah, I see you tweeting about them. I know that they are a team <laughs> that definitely frustrates you. I can relate as a Blue Jay fan who's uh, seen my team go through a disappointing offseason. It can be kind of tough following along with these teams. But we are going to be breaking down the Boston Red Sox from top to bottom. Before we do that, though, Eric, I want to let you tell everybody where you can be found, all the great work you got going on right now.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, 04 zero four on Twitter. You know, I post all my stuff there. I have all the, all the links to everything there as well. Uh, a lot, a lot of my work now is I have a Patreon toolshedfantasy.com. All my, you know, fantasy rankings are there. I do a, a lot of pros uh, prospect profiles, uh, MLB profiles, a lot of different things there as well. Um, and then FTN fantasy and rotoballer uh, for additional written content. And then the uh, toolshed podcast with the aforementioned Chris Clegg. Yeah, Chris
0: Clegg, and I think some congratulations are in order. Chris just posted out today that he is expecting uh, his second kid. So congrats yeah. to Chris. Uh, I know there's been uh, a bit of, bit of trouble that they've had there, so it's really great to see him um, have some good news today. So congratulations to Chris Clegg. Make sure you're checking out everything that Eric and Chris have going on at the Tool Shed Pod. It is one of the go-tos if you are a dynasty slash prospect person. I listen to every episode. You guys should as well. Make sure you're checking it out. And go follow Eric on Twitter at ericcross 4 breaking down the Red Sox if you are going to be watching the video version. I'm going to have roster resource here from Fangraphs open just so you can kind of have a bit of a guide. We're going to be starting at the top of the order here. I think there you know we had to give the caveat that we're recording this in the middle of January. There could still be changes but as of right now this is what we are seeing based on the projections and Jaron Duran projected to be the leadoff hitter. He had a very good season last year. He was somebody that I was very interested in, and it's hard not to be. He gave you 24 steals. He batted 295, chipped in eight homers. Eric, do you like Jaron Duran this year? Do you think he is the leadoff hitter, and is he somebody that we should be investing in for fantasy?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I love Jaron Duran, and I think he's finally, after a few years, of a lot of profile changes. you know, he's, I think he's finally found that happy medium. Because, you know, back when I saw him come through Double A, which I believe was 2019, which feels like forever ago. But uh, he was more of the, you know, line drive, gap to gap hitter, you know, use the contact skills and and utilize his speed. And then over the pandemic, he really bulked up a lot. If anybody ever saw, like, some photos of him from the complex and whatnot, he put on a lot of bulk. And he was trying to, to muscle up and be more of a power hitter. And that approach just didn't really work for him. He sacrificed too much contact, was striking out more than he ever had. Uh, so now he's kind of, again, dialed it back a little bit, but still keeping some of that power. But, again, finding the happy medium. And, yeah, you, you saw a lot of good from him uh, this past year. You know, average EV right around 90 miles an hour, hard hit rate, 46%. So, again, he's still keeping that, you know, good quality of contact. And he, and he was above average contact skills. You know, the whiff rate was the lowest of his career. Um, made a lot of good changes. And I, and I think this is the Duran that is the best version uh, that he could be given his skill set. And uh, I think he's going to be, you know, assuming we don't, you know, trade him away. I've heard some rumblings of that. I don't think so. I think if we trade anybody, it'd be more like, well, you're Bray you, but uh, assuming he is the lead up hitter, which I believe he is. I mean, I think he could be in line for, you know, a 15 homer season. I won't go any more than 15 or so home runs because, you know, right field at Fenway, you know, kind of can zap left-handed power a bit, unless you're like Christian Cassis. But, uh, but, you know, 14, 15 home runs, summers in that range. 30-plus steals, a solid average. And, you know, plenty of runs scored. Maybe he throws with 100 runs scored or at least like 90 or so. And I think his ADP is like close to 200 right now. So, yeah, I, I am definitely all in on, on Jaron Duran this year. Yeah, 176
0: is the ADP. I'm just looking back since the start of December. Uh, we're looking at 35 drafts. I think that's a really good price. You're getting a leadoff yep. hitter. I think he should be a leadoff hitter. Um and that's what it's looking like anyway. I don't see that changing too much. He's going to give you speed. Now, maybe he doesn't give you the 295 batting average. That's probably, you know, two, they're projecting 257. I could see him like 260, 270, a little yeah. bit of pop. Run should be there. Speed should be there. And at that point, especially in a five outfielder league, you know, outfielders dry up quickly and so do stolen bases. You're getting both of them close to pick 200 with Jaron Duran. It's hard not to like what you're going to be getting out of him. Uh, I think that he is going to be a, a pretty big target for me this season. I haven't drafted him yet. But I could definitely see myself getting there. Uh Raphael Devers projected a bad second here. Do you think that he's likely to fill up the two-hole? And what are your what is your outlook for Raphael Devers for this season? He had a, a pretty solid 2023.
1: Yeah, I, I do, I do think he's in the two-hole. I think you know Coral likes uh Devers there. And I think it may determine if who else we get this offseason. They've been rumored to be in on another right-handed bat. Uh so we'll see. But I think the two-hole is ultimate where he you know spends most of his time this year. And yeah, it's funny too, you mentioned he had a good year and he absolutely did, but I think people were slightly disappointed with this year, even though you know he hit 271, uh, which is a you know, 24 point drop from where he was the previous year, but still had 33 home runs, he chipped in you know five steals, 90 runs scored, that's still a really good year, but people seem to be I'm not obviously not out on him, but it looks like the, the perceived value has kind of dropped a little bit, his ADP dropped a little bit from this year as opposed to where it was last year, but... You look at all the metrics; are still right there. You know, walk rate and K rates are right in line with previous years. Quality of contact still very good. You know, EV ninety three miles an hour on average. Hard hit rate was actually the best of his career. Uh, barrel rate twelve point seven percent. So you know, a lot of good there. I think he's going to have a nice bounce back year. Uh, he definitely underperformed. Like you look at some of the, the the XBA versus the regular batting average, especially for braking and off speed. Both were about forty to fifty points uh, higher for the expected metric there, and obviously those aren't everything. But he did get a little bit unlucky this this year. But hopefully the lineup is going to be better as a whole. I think it was a middle of the pack lineup, kind of fell off end of the season. So I think he's going you know, to have a nice bounce back here. I think you'll see that average tick back up closer to two ninety. He's a career two eighty guy uh, over seven seasons, and I think if you are getting two eighty to in the two ninety range. With you know 35 home runs and you know plenty of counting stats and even you know a handful of steals here and there, uh, I, I think it's going to be another really good year. And uh, I think you're going to get a, if you're taking him. Uh, I think this ADP is where's ADP like 25, 30 yeah. now? Yeah, 25. Uh, yep. Yeah. So I think it's a solid value. I mean, 15 teamer and it's just that's your second guy. I'm fine with that. 12 teamer, maybe your third guy, depending on uh, if you picked early in the first and then have a late second, early third round. If you can get if you're in a 12 teamer, you can get Devers early third. I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. I, I love that volume for sure. You start a Cunha, let's say a twelve teamer, you get the
0: one you get the first pick. Maybe even if you get the second pick, but with the first you get a Cunha, you come back and you take Devers and then your sp1 or another offensive piece it's hard not to like that even in a 15 teamer i think third base is not the deepest position even though it's better than it maybe has been in recent memory you're still getting that out of the way pretty quickly you're locking up 30 100 and 100 roughly i know the runs haven't quite been there but i think it's it's going to be pretty close it'll be within shooting distance of 100 and that batting average you know if you just look at the bab up here on screen it was under 300 for the first time since 2018 that batting average even though 271 is already good you can expect probably like eric said in the 280 to 290 range, and even a 300 season is something that he is very capable of, uh, as he has shown us before. In 2019, he batted 311. 2022 was 295. So uh, there's nothing really not to like there. You're also, like you said, getting a couple steals out of your third base spot, which is not something that you're getting out of everybody. So I'll definitely take Raphael Devers in the middle of the second round. Now, Eric, I'm going to let you uh, go on a little bit of a love tangent about Tristan Cassis because I know he is one of your favorite players. It's hard not to like him, especially what he did in the second half. But even as a whole, it was 24 homers, a 263 average. He's getting on base 37% of the time, nearly with that 14% walk rate. Uh, Eric, the floor is yours to talk about Tristan Cassis. Oh, man. I, I, do we have enough time to
1: for me to fully talk about Tristan Cassis? This will be a separate I... podcast where we just talk about Cassis here. Uh, it'll be, like, the rest of the Red Sox and then, like, another second pot for just Richardson for Cassis. But, yeah, like, earlier today or on Tuesday, uh, I tweeted out, you know, as I, I probably tweeted about Cassis at least once a week at this point. It's, like, almost, like, scheduled content uh, for me. But you know, he, if you look back at the second half of last year, he was fifth in WRC Plus and Woba. The only four he was behind uh, for both stats were some guys named uh, Cunha, Mookie, Matt Olson, and Shohei Otani. I, I, he was right – in line, we right ahead of Yordan, Freeman, you know Bryce Harper, Aaron Judge, you know the studs, all these first, second round fantasy studs, and this is the guy I always thought he could be. Like I remember back in the twenty was eighteen draft, I want to say it was when we took when we took him in end of the first round. Like there's not often, especially in baseball draft, where like the guy you want is taken by your team. Obviously, it's kind of a crapshoot or not not a crapshoot, but you know, not like football or basketball, so to speak, with the draft. And I, I wanted him in the draft. We got him. Saw him a lot in Double A, and even though he never put up the gaudy minor league stat line, like you heard, like a, a, I forget what off it was, but it was an interview where he was saying, like, yeah, I haven't really been focusing on, on you know hitting for power. I've been focusing on you know making contact, going the other way, you know, working the count, like all those other parts of an at bat. And he knew he had the power. He could just, you know, flip a switch, turn that power on, and start driving the ball. And that's really what's happened. And we saw that end of last year. And like I said, I know you probably won't want to hear this as a Toronto guy, Joe. But and it's nothing against Vlad Jr. at all. But it wouldn't surprise me if Cassis outperformed Vlad Jr. And that's again just me loving Cassis and the profile. Uh, it, it's a very good profile. It, it's elite power. Uh, you know, context skills are you know they're not elite on, on that side of things, but. He's solid contact, solid approach. It's like not a lot of swing and miss right? in, in the profile. He's a very mature hitter, had a near 14% walk rate this past year. K rate was, you know, right kind of around league average. Started driving the ball in the air a ton more uh, this year, more line drives, more fly balls. Yeah, there's a lot to like here. And it wouldn't surprise me if we're looking at a guy that's hitting, you know, he's probably more like 260, but that could be 35 home runs and, you know, if he's going to be the guy hitting directly behind, you know, Devers and Duran, I mean, thirty five hundred is in play here. It really is, especially how he finished last year. Like that's the pace he was on last year. Maybe he's even on a higher pace than that. So he's going. I think right inside the top one hundred overall. I would scoop that up all day. Like, I'm trying to get as many shares of him as I can because I really think that we're on the verge of this a full fledged breakout. And then next year we're we're drafting him where we're taking you know, Olsen, Vlad, you know, uh, Freeman, those guys. I think he joins that tier this year for sure. I can definitely see it.
0: 112 is the most recent ADP. He's going uh, in a range of 76 to 145. I don't really necessarily want him at 76, but you don't really need him at 76. Like you said, you're usually getting him outside of the top 100. My own personal projections, I'm doing them by hand for the first time this year. I have Tristan Cassis hitting more homers than Raphael Devers at this point. 35 to 32. My projection for Cassis is pretty massive, and I might have to regress it a little bit, but I think guys no. like yourself have kind of made me push them up. <laughs> <Me> you don't. <laughs> 35 and 96 with a 277 average is what I have Cassis down for. and That's fair. I'm trying to be more conservative. You know, I was talking with some projections people. Ariel Cohen is somebody who's helped me with these a little bit, and he's telling me you, know, you should be able to comfortably take either side of an over-under bet on your projections, and that's kind of how you should think about it. I'd be very comfortable taking the over on that 35 homers or the under. So I think that's a very, very, in my mind, a realistic number for him to hit. And if you just look at the screen, if you are watching on YouTube, just take a look at the second half of Tristan Cassis. The ISO was 300. The OPS was well over 1,000. A 175 WRC+. plus. He was amazing. He was absolutely everything you could possibly hope for. Now, last year you were huge on Vinny P. This year it's more
1: Cassis. Which one do you have a better long term outlook for? I, I think Cassis. Uh, Vinny P is he's a super high floor guy and there is some upside there, but I just don't think the upside can can touch Cassis. I, I think Vinny P is more like, yeah, he'll hit like 280, you know, get a high, you know, high OBP as well, always has a super low K rate, but, uh, you know, he's more like 25 home runs, maybe 30, maybe, maybe he gets some low thirties years at peak. But I, I think again, Cassis is probably on average, probably, be, you know, six to eight home runs more per year. You know, average probably a little lower, but you know, you add in a lot more counting stats, better home park, better lineup. I mean, Vinny P's really just got like Bobby Wood junior and that's, <laughs> that's it for the most part there in Kansas city. So yeah, as much as I love Vinny P and everyone knows that like my love for Cassis is much higher. I, he might be my, my favorite player in baseball right now. I mean, it's either him or Juan Soto, my two favorite players wow. in baseball right now. And like and obviously me, me being a Red Sox guy, you know, kind of fuels that a little bit. But yeah, yeah and all the offseason videos, Cats has been posting like, on his Instagram and stuff like that. has has been like getting me all hyped up even more. So, yeah, it's it's, it's a I'm very much looking forward to seeing him this year. Yeah, I think that he can be a top five first baseman pretty easily. That
0: price is really nice. It might go up a little bit, but I think generally speaking, you're going to get him outside of the top 100. If you want to wait on first baseman, it's hard to find somebody that you'll like more than Tristan Cassis in that lineup considering the power, the potential batting, like everything. Uh, there's It's hard to find a fault there from a fantasy point of view, really. Now, projected about fourth is Trevor Story. Trevor Story has not had a nice Red Sox ten years so far, only 43 games this past season. He did pick it up at the end and started stealing a lot of bases but overall it has not looked great for him uh, at Fenway. He's projected, if you're just looking at what Steamer's telling you, 146 games, maybe a little optimistic, but 21 and 22 with a 233 batting average. Does that sound about right to you? Is this something that you think is attainable at 2020 season from Story? Cuz if it is, then his price is probably worth it. He's not somebody that's terribly expensive at 178 this year. Are you
1: are you buying back into Trevor Story? I am to a degree and I, and I do think that if he plays that much, if he gets you know, let's say, look at 2021, he had 595 plate appearances. If he's in that ballpark and he went twenty four twenty that year, yeah, I, th- I think a 2020 season is definitely in the cards. Like, he's still a good runner. Last year, 86 percentile sprint speed. And he still has, you know, pretty solid quality of contact metrics. Barrel rate right under 10%. Hard hit rate right around 40%. So, yeah, as, as a righty in Fenway, yeah, I think 2020 is in play. I just don't trust him to stay healthy, you know. From what everything I've heard, like story, like all the intangibles, like he's a great leader. He's working with the, with the young guys, like all those things on the real life side have been from what I've heard just glowing. Right. But, you know, and there's still some, some skills there, but same time, even if he's going 2020, 20, I mean, that 233 average that you, you just mentioned, that's probably fair. I, I don't even see him hitting 250 anymore. He hasn't done that since 2021. And, you know, maybe I'd love just to see him be healthy to see what, if he could, but some skills since he left Colorado have gone down. And these aren't because of leaving the ballpark. Like, these are like, like for instance, his zone contact has gone down. Like, he was 82% zone contact in 2021. This past year, it went, went down to 75.2. You know, the whiff rate's gone up. You know, the strikeout rates have gone up. He's been over 30% K rate each of the last two years. Walk rate's gone down. Like, these aren't things that have to do anything to do with course Field versus Fenway, you know, Colorado versus Boston. That's that's actual just tangible skills that have declined, and he's 31 now. I think something there's some value, and the ADP I think it's fine. I don't think I'll have a ton of shares. I think by that point I already have my up and maybe even my middle infielder. So I'm probably just going other directions, other positions in general uh, in, in that ADP range. Maybe I'll get a share or two, just just to see, you know, just yeah. just to have, just to have, have just in case he does, you know. Put together 600 plus plate appearances, but um, I think that's fair. So if, if you're kind of weighted on shortstop, I won't trust him as your starting shortstop. That'd be a very risky move. But if you want to get him as like your middle infielder, you know, guy with some upside, yeah, I, I think that's that's a fine ADP for for him. Yeah,
0: for me, I think he's a guy like if you need to make up some speed later on in your draft, you can take Trevor Story, and you're yeah. probably looking at like a 20 stolen base floor if he's healthy. That's where I see him being the most productive in terms of that. Now, he might be able to give you 20 homers as well. Um, I think I'd more rely on the speed at this point. Just based on what we saw last year, I know it was a small sample size, 43 games, only three homers, a 114 ISO. He had a 48 WRC plus in those 43 (laughs) games. It was shockingly bad. I don't think it can be that bad again, and I think he's probably worth taking a chance on considering the price. But, yeah, if you're starting shortstop, you're playing with fire. You might get... 40 games, you might get 140 games, but there's no certainty there. He is at this point, one of the more risky, uh, you know, I don't want to put him necessarily in like the Buxton Eloy conversation, (laughs) but he's not too far from it. He's not too far from it. I love you. So
1: I was literally just thinking like, man, is he the Buxton of the infield? He he might be like, it's not like outlandish to say that. I don't think, I mean, Buxton, I think they're even, I think Buxton's 30 now as well, or at least 29. So they're not like terribly far apart in age either.
0: Yeah. I mean, if they're healthy for a season, either one of them, they're giving you, you know, top hundred value very, very easily, but it's just a matter of if that's ever going to happen again. And now on the wrong side of 30, I don't know that we're necessarily going to see Trevor story have a great season, but I think the price is there where you can buy into it. And maybe you yeah. get lucky. Uh, Masataka Yoshida is somebody that I was really, really big on last year. He was my rookie of the year pick in the American league. It was a, f- pretty fair season from him 15 homers eight steals uh, 289 batting average he's not terribly exciting in any particular category he is kind of a late boost to your batting average at pick 179 literally just one pick after trevor story in adp i could see him maybe being a guy that you take uh, to boost your batting average but i don't think that we should have the expectation of massive growth from a power
1: or a speed standpoint this year do you think that's fair yeah no that's that's totally fair I, i think what you're seeing from yoshida i think that's what he is and I think he, he came as advertised. Like, you know, I'm yeah. I'm okay. You know, he, as as a Red Sox fan, he, like I said he hit 289, 15 home runs, eight steals. That's pretty much what we were being sold on him being. I was a guy that you know this guy is you know high contact guy, high floor. He'll put the bat on the ball, a little bit of pop there, not a ton of pop, uh, especially as a a lefty in, in Fenway. So I, I'm I'm kind of fine, and I think you can expect a pretty similar production uh, from him. He, and he did you know, kind of falter a bit down the stretch. It's probably just because, you know, the, you know, long grueling first major league season, you know, one of those things that, you know, obviously coming over from uh, from Asia to the, the United States is a big, you know, culture shock. And I think this isn't talked about enough that the adjustments these people have to make off the field as well uh, to on the field. So uh, I think you saw him fall off a, a good amount. He only hit 254, 278, 386 in the second half, as opposed to 316, 382, 492 in the first half, and maybe he's not that first-half guy, but, you know, I think he's closer to the first-half guy than the second-half guy. Like I think you can see him flirt with 300. You know, again, 15 to 18 home runs in that range, and and give you a, a solid OBP as well. He, he just stopped walking in the second half uh, for some reason. He had seven walks in the second half, wow. but I think, I think he's pressing a bit too much, but... Hey, if that's what you're, you know, he's, I think he's stable. He, again, like you mentioned, not sexy whatsoever, but yeah. kind of has like that Brendan Nimmo feel to him. Nimmo's never been super sexy, but right. you know, year in, year out, he's just pretty solid and, like, you know, out, outfield four type of guy. So, um, yeah. and as you alluded to earlier, outfield does dry up real quick. Like there's some, there's some fun guys sprinkled in, but once you get past like ADP, like, uh, like, like, like that range around like 130, 140, where like Carter and Lankford, uh, and then Turio now are all going. Once you get past that kind of cluster, it gets a little uh, questionable. So if you want to just go with someone that's safe and you'll know, we'll give you some production you know, as long as he's healthy. He's he's a fine guy to, to take it as ADP.
0: Let's project like a year down the road. Is he a utility only player you think, or do you think he gets enough <laughs> games in the outfield to keep
1: that eligibility? Uh, I think for now is what, what they, what I'm hearing is that they don't want one guy locked into that DH spot here in Boston. So I think he's gonna keep it. I mean, 20 games for NFBC. You know, Yahoo thinks only like 10, but I think for at least the next couple of years, maybe you're you know three, four years out, might be a different story. But I think at least for the next for uh, for next year and the year after, I think you probably see him keep outfield eligibility. Okay.
0: Now, speaking of outfield, they brought in a new outfielder who is somebody as a Canadian I'm a little bit biased towards, but also just based on that 2021 season, I kind of fell in love with Tyler O'Neill. He gave you 34 homers, 15 steals and a 286 batting average. I think he was one of the maybe not a finalist for MVP, but I think he was like top 10 or top 12. Like He had a crazy breakout year. And then these last two years, it has not looked great for him. I think that part of the problem has been the way they've used him in St. Louis and he didn't really get along with Marmol who, I mean, that's kind of most people don't get along with Marmol from what it sounds like in St. Louis, but he was one of the people who was in the doghouse did not get full time at bats. He was hurt. Now he gets a chance for a fresh start in Boston in a fairly hitter friendly park. I'm interested in Tyler O'Neill. I've taken him a couple of times this year. You got interest in O'Neill. Do you think he's going to be able to get close to 2021 again? Or do you think we'll ever see those kind of numbers from him or something
1: similar? I mean, I, th- I think it's fair to say that, you know, those big years he had you know, a handful of years ago might be his peak, right? I mean, could he get back to there? Sure. But I- I'm still in like on a-, on a bounce back because, like you mentioned, I, I think a fresh start was just needed uh, w- with a guy like Tyler O'Neal. Got to, even through all the struggles, still put up some pretty solid metrics. You know, especially, you know, the guy still hits the ball really hard. You see him, he is a physical specimen, like someone like if I ever had you know to assemble a team of people to fight with me of MLB players, I'd probably I'd probably pick Tyler or neal. That dude was just absolutely jacked. I think his one of his parents was like a um bodybuilder or, or something along those lines. I forget if it was if it was his mother or his father. Maybe it's, not Paul O'Neil. it's not Paul O'Neill. It's not Paul O'Neill, right? Paul O'Neill's not his dad. I don't or, think so.
0: I don't think. I I don't know. I, that kind of popped into my head. I might be just talking out of my ass there, but I'm gonna look it up while you
1: talk. Yeah, I don't think so. But I think one of his parents, would, or maybe, again, both were bodybuilders or maybe an uncle or something. But, yeah, so the skills are still there. Like There's actually some good metrics on, you know, under the hood. Like, these last two years when he's kind of fallen off uh, from that big 2021, yeah, the, the EVs have gone down, you know, three or so miles an hour. But the barrel rate's still 12.3% last year. EV 89.2. That's still above average. Heart hit rate's been right around 43%, you know, still above average there. He's even trimmed the K rate, you know, from about five six percent from twenty twenty one, and increased the walk rate about three, you know, three to three and a half percent. So I think there's still still a lot of you know good metrics there, some intriguing ones. He had the highest zone contact rate of his career last year, lowest whiff rate. So like he's made some improvements there. Still runs uh, at, at a solid clip there. He's an above average runner, and I think getting his right handed power into a place like Fenway, as long as he can elevate the ball. Uh, which he's usually had no problem doing. He's, I think he, he obviously health is a thing with him too. He's, he's battled some durability issues over the last couple of years. So if he can stay healthy, still 29 years old, I think he can have an, a nice bounce back year. I, I think it's like one of those like fresh start, you know, bounce back type of guys uh, for this year. And uh, I think I love the, AD, you know, the ADP as well. I think the ADP is very fair to about 230, 240, 250 range. At that point, you probably already have at least three outfielders. So he's probably your outfield four, maybe even your outfield five. I think given uh, you know where he's going, it's kind of a, a low risk and potential high reward guy. I'm absolutely fine with that. I, I'm definitely buying a nice little bounce back for him this year.
0: Yeah,
1: I mean, he's only ever played the one full season, and it was an
0: incredible season. I think that's what we're kind of dreaming on. If he's yeah. able to get 120, 130 games I think it's pretty much a guarantee 20 and 10 and then probably and then some maybe 25 and 12. The projections are 21 and 12 over 126 games. If he's able to do that at the current price, then he'll pay off. You know, I don't think we're going to see a 286 batting average again. But even if it's 240, 250 with those other numbers, the counting stats should be pretty all right. Considering who he's batting after in that lineup, you could see 80 to 90 RBI. I don't see any reason to avoid him at this price. If he doesn't work out especially for those of you guys in 12-team leagues, if you're playing on Yahoo or whatever. This is like the last three, four rounds of your draft. He doesn't pan out. There will be 10 other outfielders in the first month of the season who are worth adding, but if he does work out, then you're getting maybe a top 100 player in Tyler O'Neill. He is one of the sneaky players, and it won't be so sneaky because everybody is going to be talking about him, but for those of you guys, maybe the rest of your league doesn't consume a lot of content, Tyler O'Neill is a really, really good pick this season. If he's able to give you 80 90% of what he did in St. Louis in that breakout year, then you're going to be very, very happy indeed. Now we get to the muddier portion of the lineup a little <laughs> bit. Willier Abreu, I, I'm, I've am i heard some people talk about him in a positive light, though, recently as being somebody that you can take uh, later on in a draft champions to bolster your bench. Projections are pretty good on a per-game basis, 13-7 and seven over 105 games with a 244 batting average. What we saw over 28 games last year was really, really strong from him.
1: What's your interest level on Willier Abreu at this point? I, I think if he's starting regularly... I think there's definitely going to be some interest here just because he's a guy, again, It's going, you know, later on in drafts. You don't have to invest a lot of draft capital in a guy like William Brayu, and he he looked pretty good, you know, and and he he had a a kid in the middle of that, so he was on attorney leave uh, for like a week in the middle of his time with the Red Sox, but, you know, hit 316, pair of home runs, trio of steals, 85 plate appearances, and metrics are pretty solid too. I don't don't think he's going to be a big speed guy. He's below-average runner, though he's always shown a willingness to run, which is half the battle. But quality of contact is above average. He had a 49% hard hit rate, 9.5% barrel, 91.3 average exit velo. You know, walks at a solid clip. You know, catering it's a bit higher, but not terrible. Uh, not nothing in, in the concerning level for, for sure. But it all comes down to like how much is he going to play? Like right now, if they don't bring in anybody else, I think he is playing close to regularly, um, which comes at the expense of a guy I like a lot too in Saddam Rafaela, who has got a very uh, fun fantasy friendly profile. If he gets a shot too, so he's a guy you know. Take later on in your in your DCs. Uh, just hopefully he gets some a shot this year at some point. But if they don't bring anybody else in, I think Abreu is going to be a good value because where's his ADP? It's, it can't be higher than what four hundred or so. Three seventy eight over the last month. Okay. Or so. Yeah, that's that, that's kind of where, where I thought it would might be, and that, that's fair. I mean, again, Red Sox have been linked to a few different outfielders. They're still talking with Adam Duvall. They were linked to uh, the, like, T. Oscar Hernandez before he went to the Dodgers, and uh, who's the one recently? Oh, Jorge Soler. So, yeah. uh, they, if they do bring someone else in, and that you know guy, maybe even if it's Soler, which forces Yoshida back out into the field a bit, a bit more, yeah, I think this could have come at the expense of you know Brayu's at bats. But maybe he's traded. I don't know. There's still some possibilities. But as it stands now, if he's if he's the guy out, out there in one of the corner and outfield spots, I think there's a a solid player there for sure. Yeah, I mean, Russell Resource looks like they're projecting a strong side platoon at this point,
0: but even that is probably 120 or so games if you're if you're not getting replaced if you're if you're just a healthy guy regularly regularly playing a strong side platoon. I think there's value in deeper leagues, but he's not somebody if you're like I mentioned earlier a 12-team Yahoo league. That's not where I'd have him on the radar. He could get there with regular playing time, uh, but I think in a deeper league that he is somebody that could kind of surprise you you know he could give you double digit homers and double digit steals at the price he's currently going uh, i think in my current dc i might have to put him in my queue because that's actually not a bad price for what could be a pretty decent profile there Uh, von grissom Vaughn Grissom is very interesting to me. I've drafted him a few times. He's starting the year with just shortstop eligibility, but he will gain second base. Trevor Story is going to be the shortstop there, and um, we should see Grissom get second base eligibility. Last year was very frustrating. I was pretty in on him, and then Atlanta didn't use him at all when they did. It didn't look that great. No homers and no steals in 23 games. Still a good batting average, but we didn't get to see him actually you know, break out after that 2022 semi-breakout that led us to draft him fairly high up last season. Now he has a fresh start. Looks like he has an everyday role, which he was not going to get in Atlanta. So I'm cautiously interested here in Von Gristom. At pick 321, I don't see really much downside there.
1: Yeah, at that point, especially when you factor in, like you mentioned, he's going to get dual eligibility, you know, sometime mid to late April. You got to love that because there's a pretty solid, Profile here. I like guess not a sexy one, but this is a guy that's always had you know really good contact skills. You know, in, in the minor leagues, he was a three twenty hitter over three hundred and twenty nine games. You know, almost fifteen hundred plate appearances, at a 407 OBP in the minor leagues. You know, high walk rate over ten percent, low K rate under twenty percent. You know, a lot of good there. And yeah, not a massive power speed blend, but I think there's enough pop in the profile that you know with a full season at Fenway. Uh, as a righty hitter, you know, he could run in the 12 to 15 home runs. I think that's the, the definitely in play. And you know, he's a solid runner as well, not a burner, but, you know, decent runner, you know, 20 steals ish, give or, give or take. So, you know, like a 50, 280, 15, 20 year. Yeah. What well, maybe that might be on the higher end uh, of potential outcomes. That's definitely in play here. Like, you know, he never really, like you said, never really got. A shot. It was kind of surprising. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't perform well in spring training, and then R- RCA took that spot from him. I get it. You know, RCA definitely deserved it, and he's been you know low key a pretty solid player for the Braves. But I think another fresh start. You know, Boston like they're gonna give him that second base job. They like him. They everything I've heard from, out of you know Red Sox camp. They obviously they traded Chris Sale for him, so they, they think very highly of him. So he'll be the guy, yeah. and they have him under team control for the next uh, like six seven years. Uh, so yeah, I think I think he's gonna be our second baseman of, of the future. And he'll pair with, you know, with Mayer someday uh, to be, be that middle infield duo. And for fantasy this year, you know, given the post 380 P, I mean, again, not sexy, but there's, there's a little risk in this profile at that point in the draft.
0: Yeah. The, there's not much risk at all. As far as I see it, I think 123 games played that steamers projecting is on the low end as well. Like you yeah. said, he should be the everyday guy. So you take those, you know, nine homers and eight steals they're projecting it's probably closer. Like my current projection is 10 and 14. And again, that's done by hand. I've taken a lot of time with it, but it's definitely not as accurate as what you're seeing from steamer, from the bat and and those types. But I think that you're going to see more stolen bases. Essentially, you're going to see 15 to 20 steals. You'll see double digit homers. That batting average is very safe. And to add onto your batting average at that point in the draft. And it's not as like, if you're adding Luis Arise, It could be three homers, it could be four steals. But if you're getting a guy like Grissom, he's not going to be the same necessarily the same average asset as Arise, but you're getting a more well-balanced profile at a much later price. If you are looking to bolster just the batting average, I don't know that you could do much better than Grissom at this point. The dual eligibility, uh, there's just a a lot to really like here. And I I think that he's somebody that I've already taken a couple times. There was one team where he is my starting shortstop, which is maybe a little bit of a risk, but honestly... I think that it's not even that much of a risk and in an FBC 15 team style league. I'll take a chance on Von Grissom there. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But I think the upside is there for it too. And he'll have the opportunity to make it work. It, how risky do you think that's too risky
1: that he's a starting shortstop on one of my teams, 15 teamer? I mean, maybe a bit. Yeah. I think there definitely is some risk there, but you know, it's, it's not like you're putting all your eggs into a, a guy that has like a ton of risk in general. Like a guy that has like a lot of injury history, yeah something like that like i'm trying to think of a, a good player to think of like let's let's just say f- for the sake of this like byron buxton was a shortstop like yeah. if you were putting all your eggs in byron buxton as your starting shortstop yeah that would be incredibly risky but i mean yeah you probably in, in an ideal world one of the better starting guy than than grissom but i mean again like, he's more of a high floor guy so like, yeah. i don't think you're gonna be too upset about the end of the year let's hope not uh one team i have him as a starter one
0: team i have him as a I think he's on the reserve on my other team, but I'm hoping for a big year. I think that he is somebody that could have a really nice year. And now rounding out the lineup, the projected lineup is Connor Wong behind the dish. And again, common theme. I didn't even realize this until we started, but I've drafted Connor Wong a couple times this year. I think you're getting some speed from your catcher, which is huge. I think you should have a fairly regular role. You're not getting a hell of a lot of batting average, but generally speaking, you're not from any catcher. And 235 is actually on the higher end for for catchers, in my opinion. I think it's mostly just the speed you're getting from the backstop position that leads me to want to have him as a C two this year. He's not like a you know it's a twelve team one catcher league. I don't know that he's there, but in your two catcher formats, I think that he should be drafted in pretty much all of them.
1: Yeah, and he's definitely a C two guy this year for sure, and probably the last year he will be at least you know in a Red Sox uniform because he's basically just keeping the seat warm for Kyle Teal and you know twenty twenty five and beyond. But it's just funny to think, like, all right, this is the, this is the one guy that's left in the Mookie Betts trade. You know, obviously we just we just dealt for Dugo a month and a half ago. You know, Jeter Downs flailed out a couple years ago and then went to the you know, Nats, and then I don't even know where Jeter Downs what team he's with. This is he still with the Nats? I don't even Marlins don't was it the Marlins? Marlins? Oh yeah, he did go to the Marlins. I don't even know where I, he is, I have no idea. He obviously fizzled out and it didn't reach his potential, but it's funny. Like the one guy left from that deal is is Connor Wong, which probably would have been your last. Pick to be the the last uh, man standing from that deal, but uh, yeah, I guess it. You know, C two, he's totally fine. You mentioned gives you a handful of steals. There's not a ton of upside here. You know, metrics don't look great, but he's gonna play. Like we don't have, he he is the starting catcher at least for this year until Teal is ready next year, probably. And again, if he can give you you just what he did last year, which I think is in play, you know, two thirty five. You know, approach ten home runs, give you a five to ten steals as well you'll take that all day like you mentioned you don't really get speed from catching in general that's sort of like real muto maybe like one or two others give you a handful so if you're getting seven eight steals from your from your c2 you'll you'll take that every day the game's play projection is really low 75 do you think reese mcguire is going to eat into that to that extent i don't think so like reese is is not good like he he is He he is like yeah yeah you know being a Toronto he a guy Jay. he was a Blue Jay I remember trust me yeah no for sure <laughs> uh and back in that log gym of catchers you had a couple of years ago oh but, my god <laughs> you had like five catchers at one point square. yeah but uh yeah I, no I, I I I highly doubt that is very like he played one hundred twenty six last year I don't see any reason why it's not at least in that you know one fifteen plus range again like I don't see McGuire getting more than you know forty to fifty starts I mean, I'm I'm not sure what they're thinking there but uh, maybe they think teal comes up later in the year which i guess is possible in late down the stretch but i don't think they want to rush him either but yeah i i think that's he's more like you know 115-125 range yeah maguire's projected
0: for 60 games on steamer that seems yeah. a little high he started 62 games behind the dish last year which is probably where they're coming from but i don't think so, we're going to get to that same number this so year where we
1: get, so if they have him at 60 and they have Wong at like what 75? Where's the other like you know 25 to 30 coming from? Maybe they maybe they do have teal coming up later in the year. I'm not sure. It could be
0: that that could be what it is. And I can actually just check here. Yeah, that is honestly probably what the case is that they've allocated some playing time to teal. Um, let's see, Boston Steamer. Um not really. So 75 for Wong. I
1: don't know where they're getting it from, to be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're missing about twenty-seven games, and that doesn't look like it's going to teal sixty
0: seventy-five. I don't, I don't know what they're where they're getting that from, but they still have Alberto Mondesi in here, and Mondesi is not <laughs> part of the roster at this point. So maybe they're in need of a bit of an Modesty. upgrade. I'm not sure when the last time was that these got um, updated. So potentially they're in need of doing something yeah. there. But yeah, um, Reese McGuire, I don't think will be. Too much of a factor. It should be Connor Wong. I think he's a decent uh catcher number two. Anybody on the bench interested? Bobby Dalbeck's still hanging around. Um, Valdez, Ref Snyder, anybody there you think could
1: potentially move into a starting role throughout the year? I don't I don't think so. If any, if I had to pick one, probably Valdez, you know, just in case grissom doesn't work out for, for whatever reason. You know, Valdez, you know, they, they like Valdez. Yeah, you know, he had some some decent um time at second base last year. So maybe him but now the really only other hitter that interests me like I mentioned earlier is Sedan Rafaela. if he gets some time in the outfield he could play you know in the infield too. he's played some short and second and his minor league career as well good good athlete quick guy so I think he could play there if needed but yeah at the bench I mean again maybe Valdez you know maybe grab him and you know super late in the DC I mean, dahlbeck has got pop like Dalbeck's a good batting practice guy. Well, He's shown like you just look at the slash right on, on your screen. Like, you know, he was only 53 play appearances, but the dude just can't hit in general. And again, he's just a guy you watch take batting practice and go, ooh, and ah, and that's it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, McGuire, nothing special. Ref Center's just a dude. I mean, he's just there for to have another outfielder on the roster. So, yeah, yeah re- really no interest in any of those bench guys. Yeah, no need to take a look there for fantasy.
0: Let's move to the starting pitching rotation. And you have a new ace in town. Ace <laughs> I'll use in air quotes, but potentially could be somebody that does come back to form. Lucas Giolito did have a couple of damn good years in Chicago. We saw ERAs of three four one, three four eight, three five three. The last couple of years have not been kind to him. Um, three teams he pitched for last season. I do want to point out as well that uh, I did hear this, that he went through a divorce this past season. So that's Mm -hmm. also something that impacts different players differently. You never know. But just another factor, maybe he wasn't fully right mentally last year. Now we'll get to the point of what about 2022? But I, I want to give him a bit of a pass. And I do think that he can be better than what we have seen these last couple of seasons. But it's hard to argue that there hasn't been a decline as well.
1: Yeah, no. Obviously, you got, no, don't give him a pass for last year, but yeah, there's there's, there's some stuff going on, and obviously that that definitely factor out that the human side of this game. And you know, when we when we signed him, I think there was a mixed bag of reactions uh, from Red Sox fans, but I was okay with it. But at the time, I was like, all right, this if he's like our three or something like that, and then we go out. And this is before, obviously, we still had sale uh, at this point in time. And I was like, all right, if we go out and, and get like, you know, I, th- I think Yam- yeah Yamamoto was still available. If like we go out and get one of these guys, like Yamamoto, Snell, whatever, or even like a Jordan Montgomery, I'm like that, I'll be fine with that. Like if this is just a precursor to another move, I'm good with it. But and I even I think I made a tweet shortly after that. I was like, man, I really hope that this isn't the biggest pitching acquisition we have, and that he's our ace. And now it's that's becoming more and more of a reality, but. It, in general, I, I think he's gonna be fine. Like, I don't think he's gonna get back to those 2019 to 2021 levels, but I think he's better than 2022, 2023. Maybe you're looking at that, somewhere right in the middle guy that's like in the vicinity of like a four ERA, you know, even through the struggles. He's still giving you innings, he was 184 and a third last year, and that's like the new 200 these days. So yeah. uh, he's still giving you, you know, and he still strikes out. He had two, 200, he's had over 200 strikeouts in two of the last three years. Yeah, yeah the, the ERAs were you know approaching five each of the last two years. But if you're looking at a guy that can give you 180 innings, maybe give you a four ERA and, you know, another 200 K's or so, and has been right around 25, 26% K rate, which is above average. Uh, I think he's going to be a, like a top, you know, I don't know, 50 to 60 guy, a guy that's maybe your SP four or something like that. SP five. Uh, I think he's fine there, but I think if people are going to be, especially Boston fans, not gonna be happy if he's a guy that's you know going trotting out there an opening day. Which at this point, he pro- I don't think they give it to Bayo. Probably not Pavetta, so it probably is you But yeah, yeah I, I think I think a little nice little bounce back, if he can curb the uh, the home run issue that was really plaguing him. Like he gave up uh, what was it forty one home runs last year, nineteen on the four seam, thirteen on the change up, and nine on the slider. If he can kind of start locating that better again like he used to, I think you can see a, a decent little bounce back with him in twenty twenty four. Yeah, look at that homer per nine that I've highlighted
0: there 2.0. Yeah, that not is good. not something that is going <laughs> to sustain to that extent. It's just, it's just not. Nobody has a number that bad. I think we could probably see a low fours ERA. They're projecting 458, which does seem a little high. I think you can see low fours. He's somebody that is an innings eater, 170 plus innings. You're getting 200 strikeouts out of him and you're getting him past pick 200. And I think that's kind of the main factor here is he's not expensive at all. 221. And again, I'll make the point, if you're playing in a shallower league, you can kind of take a chance at that range. And that's kind of streamer territory for your 12-teamers, 10-teamers. If it doesn't work out, there's going to be somebody that's a viable streamer in that range that probably will work out for you. And even if they don't, you can use that roster spot to kind of churn and burn. It's not to the point where it's like, oh, he's the top 100 player. I have to keep him on my team the whole year. We went through that with Giolito the last two years. At this point, (laughs) he's kind of exhausted our patience. And if it doesn't work out, if we see in April that he's shit still I don't that's probably too strong of a word, but if we see he's performing not up to the standards we're hoping, then you can cut him and it's not uh, it's not going to really cost your team too much. But I think at the price, you can take a chance if you just keep your expectations in check. Nick Pavetta is somebody that I am very interested in just because of what we saw in the second half. And even if you just look at the whole season. It was actually really strong. The 404 ERA is not amazing, but it was the highest of all the ERA and ERA estimators, 398 on the X ERA, 355 on the X Fit. His Sierra was 336, which was an X. That's an amazing number. 31% strikeout rate. Are we going to get hurt again with Pavetta this year? Are we ready
1: to do it? Because I think I'm ready to get hurt by Nick Pavetta again. I mean, it, I think I might too. I mean, he was one of the best pitchers, not, not just on the staff in all of baseball yeah. in the second half of, of last year. And, you know, pr- pretty diverse arsenal, uh, you know, four seam, curveball, cutter, sweeper, and, and the occasional slider. You know, all of which, like, there's not any, like, problem pitch there. I mean, you look at overall, you know, at, every pitch fared pretty well last year. None had the super high whiff rates, like, you no, know, like, 50% whiff rates. But you look at the curveball, slider, cutter, and sweeper, all were between a 31 and 44% whiff rate. And in the four seam, you know, about 94 and a half 95 miles an hour, only a 214 batting average against on that, curveball 215, slider 180 89, like, you know, there's I've been trying to kind of disprove what he did last year and yeah, I don't think he's going to repeat the second half. I think that'd be foolish to to expect that, but can he be a serviceable kind of like middle of the road fantasy arm? Sure. You look at – he had 183 Ks, and there's 142 and two-thirds innings. I mean, he's probably locked into this rotation. Uh, so, if you're getting, you know, maybe upper three, low four ERA, you know, maybe he's 404 last year, you know, maybe that's the expectation, give or take, you know, point two either way. And if you're getting, you know, an above-average K rate, and if you can get back up closer to the 180 innings where he was the previous year, I mean, that's some sneaky value there. And I, I don't think the – you know, the, the draft price has really – Kind of reflected what he's capable of, and what's the uh? I mean, it's okay. It is one seventy six. Since uh, I, I thought it was outside top two hundred, I mean that is fine. I don't love that, but I don't think there's like a huge ROI possibility there. But could he return like top one fifty-ish value? Absolutely. I think if you're getting what I what I just said, you know, four ERA, you know, and you know, one hundred and seventy innings, hundred ninety K, something along those lines. I think that's you know definitely a top 150 guy, and if you get him as your yeah, at that point, he's the 69th pitcher off the board. You got to figure, and this is NFBC, so they factor in relief pitchers here. So that's probably like SP 50 ish uh, range. So he's gonna be your SP three or you know more four or five, depending on how deep your league is. I think you're fine with that. I have no problem with it at all. I think NFBC players like it's going
0: to go up. The price is going to get more expensive. That's just kind probably. of how it works with pitching. 175 right now, 176 in that range. I'll take a chance on them a couple times. But if you are like, this is how I look at it. If you're a volume player and you play in 100 leagues, I'll take a chance on that. And most people don't play in 100 leagues, but that's kind of just the <laughs> number I'll use. If you're doing that, you can take them 10, 12, 15 times, or whatever. If you're like a single shot type of player, He is a really risky guy to invest in. Assuming, like, let's say the price gets to 150 and you're talking, it's like round 10, your third SP. If that's the only league you're going to play in, do you want Nick Pavetta as your third starting pitcher? Probably not. But I think if you're somebody who does play in, like we do, and like a lot of people we know, 10, 20 leagues, you can take Pavetta a few times and have a chance of that upside. But don't forget about everything else we've seen from Nick Pavetta over the past five, six years. It can be very good but it can also look really ugly. And will he be a 30% K-rate guy? There's like five pitchers in baseball who were 30% K-rate guy last year. So probably not, but I think that he can still give you probably a really good season. And it's not, it's not somebody I'm going to feel great about drafting, but it's somebody that if you look at the numbers, it's kind of hard, like Eric said, to really doubt him and to find something that's that, concerning. Uh he was amazing in the second half. And I think that I will take a chance on a couple of teams this year while also understanding that it may not work out for me because of how Nick Pavetta has always been. Um, but let's talk Brian Bayo. Brian Bayo, he's working with Pedro Martinez now. I saw you posted that the other night. That's kind of exciting. Now, I don't want people to read too much into that. He's not going to now be prime Pedro, but Brian <laughs> Bayo is already coming from a place of being pretty damn good. And he's somebody who has, over the course of his career, which is still only 39 starts, but he's outperformed the 437 ERA with a 396 XFIP. He's got a 414 Sierra. Uh, he's not the flashiest guy. He's not going to give you a ton of strikeouts, but I think he's a really stable option In the back end of your rotation, and he's not expensive like a lot of these Red Sox. 229 is the price. What are your thoughts on Bayo? Are you interested this year? Can he take another step forward?
1: I I think he can. You know, I saw Bayo a ton uh, in in the minor leagues when he came to double A here. I think I probably saw five or six of his starts during his time here. And I think there definitely is that upside for more. I mean, I think he's he's been fine and I've been okay with with his performance so far. But like you kind of just mentioned, the K rate hasn't quite been as high as we thought, it was 20 and a half percent his rookie year which is you know below average MLB average is right around 22% and then it dropped down to 19.8% this past year. You know, Velo on the sinker dropped about a mile an hour. But you know, I, the key here is the slider. I think he's got one of the better changeups in baseball. You know, it had a 196 batting average against 38.7% whiff rate on the changeup. It's always been a very good changeup. It's, it's a plus changeup. But the slider hasn't performed nearly as well as I think most people were anticipating it would and not as good as it was in the minor leagues. They so look at last year on the slider three Oh four batting average against, and only at, you know, 25 and percent whiff rate. I mean, it's more of a, he, he's kind of not old school because I can't think a guy in his 30 years old school, but you know, the new crave is the sweeper, right? Getting all that horizontal movement. You now he's, he's got more of a gyro slider with elite vertical movement. Uh, so it's kind of different than, you know, the trend lately over the last 12, 18 months, but you know, it's got again, it's got good movement and he commanded it fairly well uh this past year, you know, at it mostly down in the zone. So maybe tries to dip it more out of the zone, get more swing and miss on that. So I think if you see that tick up, that's the key. If you see if you see that slider whiff rate tick up a bit, maybe you know, 33, 34, percent get up closer to that change up, which I think it could, you know, maybe he's you know 24 25 K rate guy, which is you know above average. I don't think he'll ever be elite. Uh, in that regard, but I think you definitely can see a, at least a few percentage points tick up and you know, drop the ERA again. Maybe he's down like the 3-7 range and bam, you got like a, you know, Jose Barrios type of guy. You know, Barrios is kind of living in that 3-6 ERA range with a 24% K rate. Maybe yeah. Bayo's in that range. So I, I think given the, the upside f- for more this year, I think that ADP around 230 or so, I think that's fair.
0: That's uh, well put. I think the Jose Barrios comp is really good. Uh, Bayo is somebody who struck out a lot of batters in the minor league. so you think yeah. that you know he's not going to be a twenty percent guy at the big leagues forever. He'll probably get up to, and the projections think he'll only be at twenty point one percent next year. But just look back, even at his most recent stretch in AAA, it was a thirty four percent K rate, and that was over fifty. Uh, what was it? Fifty eight innings. It's a good enough sample size of strikeouts where I'm not going to say it's fake. And he did it at a bunch of different levels. Now he hasn't done it at the big leagues for two years, but I think you just need incremental increases at that point, right? If it's from 20 to 22%, that gets you into the range of acceptability. Being at 20% is a little bit too low. And I know it's only a few strikeouts difference, but that really does make a difference for your fantasy teams, whether or not a guy is at... What was it last year? 132 Ks in 157 innings versus 145, 150. And I think he's probably going to be closer to that strikeout per inning. I think he's going to get a lot of volume, 160, 170 innings, close to a four ERA. And I think that he is another really good investment. I think that's kind of a common theme with the Red Sox. They're pretty good investments this year. Most of their costs are kind of down from years past. You know, the stories, the Giolitos, the O'Neills of the world. There's a lot of value, I think, yeah. in drafting Red Sox. And I don't think that's any different with Brian Bayo lot of really interesting uh, pieces here as you go down. Tanner Houck is projected as the number four starter. I'm not sure how it's all going to shake out, but as of right now, he is projected as the number four starter. I like him. I don't love him, and I don't know that there's a hell of a lot of juice here for fantasy, but talk me into Tanner
1: Houck if he's somebody that interests you. I mean, as it stands now, I'm probably not going to be drafting a, a lot of Tanner Houck. There's definitely some talent in the arm. I think that's obvious. And I think low key, he could be, if we trade Kinley Jansen, which there's been, you know, rumblings of that, mm-hmm. He I think he could be a sneaky source of saves this year. It, it would surprise me if end of the year, I like, go, oh, Hey, how cut 12 saves or something like that. It, you know, obviously if Jansen leaves, but as a starter, I mean, I just don't think he's cut out to be a starter. Like obviously you know, the sinker slider and the splitter as well. I think he's more suited for the bullpen long-term and, I think even if it's not a big guy like a lot of us Red Sox fans want, like, I don't think we're gonna go out and trade for Burns or sign Snell or anything like that, or even or even Jomo. But I we've been you know rumored to be in on some cost controllable arms. More like maybe we bring back James Paxton or something like that. I don't know. More like SP four types. So if they do that, I, I do think Halk ends up in the bullpen. And if we don't trade Jansen as well, that will kind of kill his value. So he'll be in some middle relief, you know, long relief role. Pitching in the fifth, sixth inning, something like that. You know, maybe he gets into a setup role, but you know, probably not going be, gonna to be a guy that's going to provide a lot of value this year. Again, if Jansen gets moved, and then maybe see how they you know use the back end of the bullpen early in the season, it would probably, it would probably be Chris Martin. But I think How could provide some sneaky value there. So if he's going late enough in your drafts and your DCs, sure. But I just, I just don't have a lot of interest here. Like I've seen enough of Tanner How to know that what he is is better suited in the bullpen. Yeah, four twelve is the ADP, and even though
0: it's cheap, I just don't really have that much interest. That's still fairly early. Four twelve, that's like round twenty seven or twenty six, something like that. It's just a little bit too early to be taking a chance on a guy. Like you said, the floor is zero value. The floor is yeah. he's pitching twice a week for six, five or six innings as a two inning guy in the pen. Like that's the floor, and there's not a hell of a lot of upside there either. Not a massive strikeout guy. I don't see him being a massive ratio guy either. Uh, What was his whip last season? It was 137. There's just not a lot there. I don't think with Houck, he's somebody we don't need to spend too much time on. Not somebody that's terribly interesting for fantasy. Cutter Crawford. I think Cutter Crawford could be interesting as a number five starter. I also think potentially that Garrett Whitlock might get some starts out of the fifth spot. But I could be wrong there. That might just be... Uh, I, I was trying to project him the other night and he was giving me a bunch of grief because I wasn't really sure what the role is.
1: <laughs> is Cutter Crawford gonna be the number five starter, you think? I, I think so. I, I think out of uh, that the three we just mentioned, you know Halk, Crawford, and Garrett Whitlock, I would bet a, a pretty solid amount of money that Crawford is one that makes the most starts for this team this year. Okay. And, and Crawford, and he's, you know low key, He's a solid arm. You know, yeah. last year, you know, he had a 404 ERA, but X ERA was 325. You look at, you know, on Savant, you know, a lot of, you know, red, you know, he's, he gets, he misses bats. Uh, so he was the, uh, I just lost it here. Yeah. The chase rate was 32% whiff rate, 27%, you know, better than league average, you know, contact rates allowed as, as well. Doesn't give up, you know, a ton of hard contact either 88 or 88 mile an hour exit velocity, 35% hard hit rate. Uh, and last year he had a 19 or near 19% K minus walk rates and he made 23 starts last year, 129 on the third innings. I, I think you could see something pretty similar. Is he going to be a 30 plus start guy? Maybe not, but if he can get you, you know, 140 innings, you know, and give you 150 Ks and a year around four, I mean, I, maybe there's not that big of a gap between him and like a, a Bayo, obviously Bayo will probably give you you know, 30 or so more innings, but, especially when you, when you bake in the draft costs. Like, where is uh, – Cutter is going – oh, that's even higher than I thought it was. Uh, you know, he's going about four or five rounds back, which I, I think is fair for him. I mean, he, I like him a lot more than a lot of the other guys in this range. Like, I like him more than Strowman, uh, Waka. Yeah, I'm pretty even putting him in Waka. I like him more than Griffin Canning, Mackenzie Gore. I like Crawford better than him. Lance Land, oh, geez, I don't want anything to do with Lance at this point. <laughs> you know, Tyon, Luis Severino, super risky. So I-, I think Crawford has shown that he can ge- be an effective major league starter. And maybe he's got that still pitches a little bit out of the bullpen as well. Like, last year, he made, you know, pr- pretty much a two-third to one third split between starts and-, and relief appearances, which is probably what happens again this year. But yeah, I think he gets you 140 innings and it could be a pretty solid one. So that's, uh, you know, I don't love the ADP, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'll take a chance a
0: couple times. He's not like a must-draft type of player, but if things work out for him, you're looking at a strong strikeout rate, good walk rate as well. Supporting numbers say that he's about a four ERA guy. Projections have him at four six six. That feels like they're selling him short a little bit. Yeah. I think I think somewhere in the low fours is, is probably what you're probably should be expecting here for Cutter Crawford. Whitlock, uh, let's talk about Garrett Whitlock a little bit though. Do you think that he gets any starts this year? I'm trying to do my own projections, like I mentioned, and he is somebody that I don't know how many starts I should be putting him down for, if any. Because last year he made 10, the year before he made 9. They're projecting 0 on Steamer, but I think he's probably suited for a starting role. But what do you think?
1: I don't know. I don't think it's going to be 0, but if this is the if this is the pitching staff that we have right now as we enter the season, if I throw a number out there, I'd say like six, 6 or 7. So I still don't think it's going to be a lot. I, I think they do think of him more as a reliever and I got, it could be a pretty solid one as well. Like we saw him really thrive in a relief role back in 2021. And then they tried to go on the Daniel Bard route from, you know, a decade before that and make him into a starter. Didn't work with Bard. Didn't work with Whitlock. Really? The Whitlock was, did have some, he had some moments where he was, he was fine, but still never exceeded eight innings in the season. His career high is 78 and a third back in 2022. So yeah, I, I think he's better suited in, in a bullpen, and maybe he's a guy. I don't think he's ever gonna be a closer. Even so he, he's a guy that if you play in a league with like saves and holds or some variation of that, he could be guy get you a lot of holds this year. Um, that, again, I do think they bring in another reliever, and that even makes his you know you know start projection even lower. Uh, so a guy for fantasy, I think he's, he falls into that better in real life than fantasy category right now, just because I don't think he's gonna be in a a very fantasy friendly role uh, this year. OK, that makes sense. Uh, he's somebody that
0: I think on a good few teams, they might give him a chance to start. We've seen some strong supporting numbers from him. Low walk rate is always good. But yep. yeah, he's going to be somebody who's tough to to actually hit the draft button on. Now, we mentioned him earlier. We're going to move to the pen here before we wrap things up. Kenley Jansen is the guy as of right now. There's no reason to think that if they don't trade him, that he'll not be the closer. He, he will be the closer, assuming he is in Boston. What are you putting the odds at right now, Eric? That he does get traded before the season starts?
1: I'll say like forty percent. I, I think I think it's close to 50-50. If I had to bet money, I would lean towards him still being here. But and, and if he is, and I'm sure wherever he goes, he probably goes into a place where he can close as well. Uh, but you know, Jansen, he's fine. Like obviously, he, peak years behind him. Uh, he's thirty five years old, or maybe uh, is he thirty six? Yeah, he's actually thirty six now. But, uh, you know, peak years are behind him. You know, the years of the Dodgers are are in the rear view. But he's still been a, a you know, he just screams RP2 to me. Like you, you go out and get, you know, whether it's like a Josh Hader, Camilo Doval, whoever it is, yeah, as your RP1. And then you get a, a very sturdy, you know, guy like Kenley Jansen as your RP2. Guy that just gets you saves after saves after saves. Like, let's see, uh, let's see, last year he had. 29 and then 41, 38, 11 in the uh, shortened 2020 year, which equates to like what, like 30 ish, 33, 38, 41, 47. Like the dude just gets saves, 420 is his career. Yeah, the ERAs are more like in the mid threes now, doesn't have quite the same K rate as he once did. But and again, if you just want a st- you know stable RP2, I think like I'll get a lot of Candy Jansen shares this year.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my follow up question. So, if he gets traded, I'm just trying to think of like different destinations where he would still be the closer. Would it be maybe like a Detroit, an Oakland, a Washington? I'm trying to think of like a team that doesn't have an amazing closer where he would save. Um, I, I can't I can't think of any other ones off the top of my head. Maybe you know, Philadelphia doesn't need another another arm there. Um, there are a couple of teams that have uncertain situations, and I think he's the type of guy like kind of like a Craig Kimbrell, where wherever he is, he's going to be the closer. He's going to be best suited in the ninth inning. He's not somebody that has a lot of eighth, seventh inning experience. Yeah. Now, the skills have been declining a bit, but like you said, he's more of that kind of SP or uh, RP2 type where he's not going to be your main source of saves, but he is somebody... Um, that you could probably bank on like 30 29 last year 41 38 like you mentioned it's pretty consistently 30 plus saves from him I, I feel pretty okay with it I think I've drafted him one time this year as my as my second guy and you'd probably want to back him up with somebody as a third option I would say like let's say you go with the hater and then the Jansen I wouldn't just leave it at that I would kind of want to have a third option whether it's maybe a Pete Fairbanks uh, Alvarado somebody uh, as a potential third option in case jansen does get traded if he gets hurt because he is 36 years old you never know uh, how much is left in the tank at this point so i would kind of be ensuring it with a third guy but i i do like jansen at cost this year he's not as nearly as expensive as he used to be now chris martin i think uh, and you mentioned as well is probably the guy like let's say he does get hurt or whatever that would fill in this role assuming that there's no hater signing or something
1: yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that Martin would be the guy. And he's probably got to get you, know, you know, five, six saves as is, Is a guy that, you know, if, if Jansen's worked back-to-back nights, you know, you bring in Martin uh, just, just so you don't overdo Jansen. And he's a guy. It's funny. You look at the K rate the last four years. It fluctuated so much. 30%, 18%, yeah. 33%, 23%, which is kind of weird. But, you know, very high floor reliever, you know, guy that's, you know, super low walk rate, 3.2% for his career. You know, yeah, obviously, I don't think he's gonna be a one point zero five ERA guy again. But yeah. you know, even if you look back at what he did in twenty twenty two, a guy that was right around a three ERA, and you know, maybe if you, if you take the middle of the last two years of K rates and put him at like you know twenty seven, twenty eight percent, which I think is definitely possible, uh, yeah, I, I think that's you know, he's a guy that's gonna play up a ton. And if you again play in those leagues that value holds in some way, he's gonna play up initially uh, right off the bat and be a guy that gets you a ton of holds, being the eighth inning guy, and I, I think. Boston might have the oldest eight nine combination in baseball because Martin's yeah. like thirty seven almost thirty eight, but uh, still a very effective arm. You know, actually, had some of his best metrics he's ever had last year. He only allowed a two point one percent barrel rate last year, eighty four and a half mile an hour average EV. So a lot of good in the profile still, and I think you know, guy that's uh, done a lot of good for a lot a long time, last several years. So yeah, if Jansen's dealt or gets hurt. I think Martin kind of enters that RP two or at least RP three range uh, if he gets that chance. Yeah. Uh, anybody else we've missed here in
0: terms of the whole roster, or have we covered it pretty full? I think we've got most of it, but in terms of maybe any prospects we
1: would have missed or anything, uh, I don't think so. Again, this Rafaela, I'll throw his name out there again. Even I already mentioned him earlier. I think I think he definitely gets. You know, he got a little bit of a, a shot last year, and he's a guy. That, you know, it's going to depend on who they bring in for outfielders if they do. But you know, a lot of the other top prospects so i think more 2025 guys you know mayor teal anthony obviously the big three here uh, i think actually they're all starting out in my neck of the woods up here in double a portland so i'll get to see them a lot which will be fun but yeah I, and maybe they get up late in the year but it won't be more than you know a cup of coffee if, if anything so yeah i i think that's uh i think we pretty much hit everybody that's uh, relevant this year I think we did. And honestly, I, I mentioned it in the middle, but there's a lot of great value
0: in this yeah. lineup from fantasy purposes. A lot of these guys that are kind of the older, forgotten about dudes Trevor Story, Tyler O'Neill, and not even older necessarily, but forgotten about in Vaughn Grissom. You know, even Raphael Devers doesn't have the same kind of cachet that he used to. you getting him a little bit later. There's a, there's a lot to like, really top to bottom here. More so in the lineup, I think, than the pitching rotation as a whole. There's more value in the lineup. But even a guy like Giolito, a guy like Bayo, they're not expensive if you want to get into the Boston Red Sox business this year, and there's a couple of guys I think uh, that really are worth it. But Eric, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's always fun to talk with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Joe. I always, you know, always enjoy talking with you as well, and you know, love talking about the Red Sox, of course. And yeah, I'll quickly just agree with what you just said about the values. Yeah, there's not a value on this team in ADP that I'm like, I'm out. Like I don't say that about any yeah. player. A lot of good values like you mentioned. So yeah, this is for fantasy purposes. It's kind of a sneaky fun team. Yeah, absolutely. It really
0: is real life. The AL East is tough. We're he both does. fans of AL East teams that are kind of disappointing and we saw the rest of the division kind of get a little bit stronger, but uh, we'll, we'll get through it together. We'll be okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think either of our teams are going to do much this year, but in any event, we should have some fun for fantasy purposes. Uh, Eric, you can find on Twitter at Eric cross 04 host of the Toolshed podcast. Go ahead and rhyme off everything once again, Eric, because I know I'm going to miss it. You do so much
1: stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's toolshedfantasy.com. That's where all my, all my rankings are and pretty much almost daily content there. And then FTN, uh, ftnfantasy.com, and then Rotoball are doing you know one or two articles a week for both of those sites, both great sites. Got a lot of you know great content writers there, a lot of tools and you know, premium packages. So definitely go check out both of those sites. And then the uh, Tool Shed podcast with Chris Clegg. And we're actually going up to three episodes a week for the remainder of the preseason. And we'll, we'll be back on the two episodes a week uh, when the season starts. But a lot of fun stuff to talk about there. So, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of fun. This, this time of year is always a blast. Obviously, with draft season really kicking up now in, in January. And it's, it's a fun time of year. I love it. Oh, it's busy with podcasts and articles and
0: rankings and projections and draft guides and you name it. Uh, We're doing it right now, but obviously keep up with Eric's work. He does amazing stuff. FTN is great. Roto Baller, everything that Eric is involved in, uh, we got great work you can find over there. We'll talk with Eric again throughout the season at some point. If not, we'll talk on trade deadline day when we'll get you back because you've been uh, somebody that's been there every year so far. that We've done it, so we'll make sure to keep the streak alive, of course. Uh, go over to Twitter. You can check us out, aircross 4 at JoeOrico99. You can check out my work. And go ahead and check out SportsEthos.com. we got content across all four major sports. We have team coverage. We have gambling, DFS. You name it, we got it. So make sure you're checking us out over there. We'll be back again tomorrow, but until then, everybody, take care. Have a great night. We'll see you then.